Welcome to the chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 86 of Chalk Talk, brought to you by the Painted Lines. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter at halfandhalf underscore TPL. I'm flying solo today. Uh, Mark is unable to join me, but we will be back to it uh, next week on our normal schedule on Tuesday nights, getting you guys ready for the playoffs. But before we really jump into football today, I obviously want to address and be sensitive to everything that happened on Monday Night Football uh, with DeMar Hamlin's injury and his collapse and uh, his transport to the hospital and all of those things going on. It's why we didn't record Tuesday night. Nobody was quite ready to talk about football at that point. But we do have good news uh, today. The Buffalo Bills tweeted out earlier this morning, uh, this is Thursday morning, they tweeted out, quote, per the physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours while still critically ill. He has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal, and he is making steady progress. We're grateful for the love and the support that we've received. And so great news, obviously, uh, on that front that he's doing, he's, he's on a track to recovery. And so that's you know all that anybody could have hoped for. It's what people have been praying for since the injury happened. And you know, we, we watch football to get away from real life. And you know, I know watching the game, seeing that happen on the field, I've never seen anything like that. I know there's been very severe injuries in the past in the NFL and events similar to this in other sports, but nothing that I was watching live. And you know, Jason Kelsey and, and Travis Kelsey on their New Heights podcast, they spoke about what happened. And Jason said that he even plays football to get away from real life. And it's how he processes things. And when when the escape from reality becomes one of the worst forms of reality, it's so hard to deal with. And um, nobody really knows exactly how to talk about this right now. And I'm certainly not qualified to do that. But our thoughts and prayers continue to be with DeMar Hamlin, with T. Higgins, who was involved in the hit, with the Bills players and NFL players, the medical professionals everywhere. And when the event happened on Monday night, you know, there was a lot of things going on. But much has been made of the NFL's response. It was over an hour before the game was officially suspended. Uh, we still don't know what's going to happen you know, in regards to the game ultimately, but there were reports that came out on air that the NFL told them, you know, to take five minutes to get warmed back up and continue the game. Those reports have since been disputed. And I don't know what's true or what's not on that. And you could certainly focus on negatives of things that happen, but that's not really what I want to do. I want to focus on the positive things that we saw happen and uh, on the NFL side and just in general on the NFL side, the NFL has an emergency action plan that's in place and it was executed to perfection. You can say a lot about NFL with player safety in regard to concussions uh, and other things. We've certainly seen concussion issues with Tua this year that were mishandled. Um, they were handled terribly by everybody involved, but the NFL got this one right. At every NFL game, there is an ambulance on the sideline. There is an AED on site. There's a doctor on site who specializes in airway management. And there's a level one trauma center that's designated as a destination nearby every NFL stadium. The plan that the NFL has in place it is rehearsed every year. 
medical staffs from both teams and an independent team from the site meet an hour before kickoff to review procedures, just like they did on Monday night. And that plan was executed perfectly. Within moments of the collapse, uh, medical professionals were on field administering CPR. The AED was used within like 15 minutes. He was on a cart headed off to the ambulance to the level one trauma center. And so without those actions, without that plan in place, who know it, it could have been much worse. And so he's in recovery and he's in recovery because of the quick action of medical professionals and a plan that the NFL put in place. And so uh, kudos to the NFL for getting that one right in regards to player safety. And, and also just to see the community come together, to see players speaking out and players uh, checking in on each other, to see coaches putting the situation ahead of the game, to see the NFL ultimately suspending the game and even seeing fans uniting. The, the community rallied together as of this morning. Over $7 million has been donated to the charity uh, that DeMar Hamlin started you know, prior to this incident, obviously. And so to see those sorts of things, um, it, it, it feels special. And I'm stammering around trying to figure out how to put words to that feeling. But to see the football community unite and it become about something bigger than the game, that, that was refreshing. It was encouraging. So, uh, like I said, we'll continue to monitor his situation continue to pray for DeMar Hamlin and his family and the medical professionals, but it, it's trending in a positive direction. And the bills confirmed this morning that, uh, that progression is still happening. And so that's great to see. And so we'll awkwardly try to transition to football now. And, and obviously the least important part of this is what it means for the playoffs, but this is a football podcast. And so we are going to talk about that. Um, pro football focus, uh, or pro football reference, one of the one of those sites, I can't remember now, uh, reported that the NFL is pointing towards not finishing the game and going to uh, win percentage for seeding instead of win loss. And if that is the course they choose, uh, basically the playoff implications would be that if the Chiefs beat the Raiders in Week 18, they'll get the one seed. Uh, if the Chiefs lose and the Bills beat New England, then the Bills would get the one seed. And Cincinnati no longer can get the one seed. They did have a small chance had they beaten the Bills on Monday night. Uh, also, another implication is Baltimore can't win their division anymore. They needed a Cincinnati loss on Monday night to have a chance to win the division. So that's sort of some of the dominoes that fall there. Uh, a Cincinnati win over Baltimore with a Buffalo loss to New England could actually get Cincinnati to the two seed. So that's kind of how it stands as far as playoff scenario in the AFC heading into week 18. So we'll, we'll pivot now and we'll, we'll get into the actual games that we saw played on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and sort of talk about those. And so we'll start like we always do with the Eagles game against the saints. Um, the Eagles lose that game at 20 to 10. And so a uh, pretty poor performance from the Eagles around across the board. Um, Gardner Minshew was particularly bad in this game, going 18 of 32 passing for 274 yards. He had a touchdown and interception, which was a pick six that sealed the game, and he was sacked six times. And the Eagles' offense just struggled to get going in this game. They went four and out, or they had four consecutive three and outs to open the game. They picked up their first first down with 11 seconds left in the half. 
They were outpossessed in the first half, nearly 23 minutes to seven minutes. It's really hard to get into a rhythm as a play caller when you're just unable to move the ball at all. And I put out an all two, all 22 video on the sacks. I've seen a lot of talk about the offensive line play being bad. And I really thought the biggest issue was Minshew. Um, I thought that he did a poor job of managing the pocket. He did a poor job against Dallas too, but it just didn't bite them as much. He did a poor job managing the pocket. He missed some throws. Uh, he missed a lot of reads and, you know, credit to the saints. Their defense played phenomenally. Uh, there were not a lot of wide open windows and Minshew was just hesitant to trigger in tight window throws. So uh, he's sacked six times. Cam Jordan had three of those sacks rushing off the edge against Jack Driscoll, the backup tackle. And that's a milestone for Cameron Jordan because those three sacks gave him the new Orleans franchise lead in sacks at 115.5. So congratulations to Cameron Jordan on setting a franchise record there in New Orleans. He's been a great player for a long time. Um, other things, Eagles offensively, they, they just didn't commit to running the ball. Miles Sanders had 12 carries for 61 yards. He was averaging 5.1 yards per carry, but he didn't play a lot. He only played 22 snaps. It was his lowest total, uh, well, lowest total of the season by far, including games where they've pulled starters. And he was wearing a knee brace. I don't know if he was limited by injury, but the coaching staff clearly trusted Minshew and the offense to throw the ball and that was misplaced trust on the defensive side uh, for the Eagles the offense for the Saints uh, Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill combined to go 20 of 24 with an interception and they took seven sacks this was the fifth consecutive game for the Eagles defense with six plus sacks which is an NFL record so they would need five sacks in Week 18 against the Giants to break the 1984 Bears record for single-season sacks, which sits at 71. Now, obviously, it's a 17-game season, but even if you cut it off here, they're still, like I think it's like fourth or fifth all-time in single-season sacks. And so it's been a phenomenal year for the Eagles' pass rush up front. Brandon Graham had his 10th and then his 11th sack of the year, and so it's the first time he's ever been in double digits, which... Shout out to Brandon Graham. He's a career eagle. He's a he's a legend in Philadelphia, and he was long before the Super Bowl strip sack of Tom Brady. So, um, obviously another injury, big injury in this one that was scary, but not not quite as scary, I guess, was Josh Sweat on the opening drive. Uh, he made a tackle. His head kind of got pushed back, and he ended up going to the hospital. But he was released later that evening, and he tweeted out earlier this week that he's going to be back. And so Nick Sirianni called him day to day and said that sweat is already badgering him to get back on the field. So good to see there's no long standing issues, you know, complications from that for Josh sweat. So the Eagles will enter week 18 with a win necessary to clinch the one seed or they would fall to the five seed. Most likely uh, they will play the giants who they blew out about a month ago. Obviously they were playing better then. Uh, the Giants are locked into the sixth seed, so it will be interesting to see what they do with their starters uh, in a game that's really meaningless for the postseason. Now let's move on to Dallas at Tennessee on Thursday night football. Uh, Tennessee chose to rest a lot of their starters in this game, and you expected this game to be a blowout. It really wasn't. Dallas jumped out to a 10-0 lead, and then they hit a sluggish patch. Uh, at the end of the half, they had a fumble and then back-to-back -back interceptions going into halftime. So 
a little sluggish. Turning the ball over continues to be an issue for Dak Prescott, but they were able to pull it out in the second half as they win 27 to 13. Dak goes 29 of 41 for 282 yards, two touchdowns with two interceptions. The big question for Tennessee is who's going to start in week 18. And I think it's going to be Joshua Dobbs who went 20 of 39 in this game for 232, one touchdown and one interception. Uh, if you were going to start Willis in week 18, he should have played in week 17. He's just so raw. Any reps would help. I, I think it's pretty indicative that Josh Dobbs will be the starter for the Titans in their crucial game against the Jaguars uh, on Saturday night, which by the way, the NFL really screwed over the Jaguars here. Tennessee plays on Thursday. The Jaguars played on Sunday, and now they have to turn around and play on Saturday. So not only are they at a rest disadvantage, but they're actually on a short week. So uh, in a win and in playoff game. And so I thought the NFL did a really poor job of scheduling that. Talking again about the Cowboys, though, I mentioned earlier Dak's interceptions. He's got 10 interceptions in the last six games. And he's got four fumbles. So ball security is an issue that is worth mentioning as the Cowboys gear up for the playoffs. And uh, again, they'll be the five seed if the Eagles win their game. If they lose, there's a myriad of ranges they could be. But they would get to host a playoff game. And they would have a shot, I believe, at the one seed if everything broke correctly. On the offensive line, they're playing a little bit of musical chairs. Their center, Tyler uh, Biotish, was injured in the game. So they shifted Left guard Connor McGovern to center, left tackle Tyler Smith to left guard, and then Jason Peters came in at left tackle. So they're getting a little bit of musical chairs there up front. Uh, hopefully they will be healthy come playoff time. Let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals at the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons won 20-19. to I thought Desmond Ritter showed some promise in this game, in a game that didn't really matter in terms of playoffs. Both teams are eliminated, but... Desmond Ritter went 19 of 26 for 169 yards. He did take a sack and he did fumble, uh, but I thought he looked okay. I, I don't know what the Falcons are going to do about quarterback. We'll talk about that maybe next week and definitely into the offseason, but Desmond Ritter has shown a little bit of promise. Uh, for Arizona, David Blau was under center with Kyler Murray's out with an ACL injury. Colt McCoy was in concussion protocol, and he started good. He was 15 of 20 for 117 yards and a touchdown at halftime. But in the second half, he was only 9 of 20 for 105 yards. So he really fell off as the Cardinals were unable to put the ball in the end zone in the second half, only score six points, and they lose by one. J.J. Watt notched his 10th sack of the year on, on in this game, and it's his sixth double-digit sack season. J.J. Watt has also announced that he is retiring after this season, and so Week 18 will be the last game, the final game, of his NFL career. Moving on to Chicago at Detroit. Detroit just blasted Chicago in this game. Uh, they scored on six of their first seven series to open the game en route to winning 41-10. to They racked up 504 yards on the day. Uh, Justin Fields was 7 of 21, passing for 75 yards, and he took seven sacks in this game and now you know I made this note before they announced he was going to be out with hip soreness for week 18 but the Bears just had to get him off the field there's too many injuries up front he's got no weapons he's got no offensive line and they're going to get him killed like he's proven he's your guy for the future or at least for the next couple years get him out get healthy into next year and 
for the love of all that is good, will you please get this guy an offensive line and some pass-catching weapons? On the Lions' side, uh, Aiden Hutchinson had his third interception of the season. Uh, he's making a strong, well, he's not going to win defensive player or defensive rookie of the year because of Sauce Gardner, but if not for the season Sauce has had, Aiden Hutchinson would be making a pretty strong case here. Um, so the Lions are going to head into Week 18, and they sort of control their own destiny. They they need to beat the Packers, so that's the first piece, and then they need Seattle to lose or tie to the Rams. So they don't fully control their own destiny, but they can play spoiler for the Packers, and then they can hope that Seattle will drop another game. And I don't think Detroit's a team that you want to draw in the first round of the playoffs. Like They're hot and cold. Obviously, that they lost, I think it was two weeks ago, when they did control their own fate. But when they are on, their offense is so incredibly good. And, you know, I could see them getting hot and winning a playoff game or two if they're able to get there. Unfortunately for Lions fans, I really don't think they're going to get there. I think the Packers will take care of business next week. Okay, let's talk Jaguars at Texans. This was a meaningless game in terms of playoff positioning. It all comes down to Week 18 for Jacksonville as they play host to the Buccaneers, or not the Buccaneers, the Titans. But they rolled over the Texans, 31-3. to They pulled Trevor Lawrence after a 75-yard scoring drive to start the second half that led got him out to a 28-0 lead. Travis Etienne didn't even play in the second half after he had 100 yards, 108 yards on nine carries in the first half. And the Texans were just abysmal in this game. They averaged 2.8 yards per play. Uh, Davis Mills did not play particularly well, 22 of 40 for 202 yards. He had a 8.8 QBR, 69 QB rating. So not a good game for Davis Mills. Uh, the Texans have basically secured the number one overall pick. At this point, and they got to go get a quarterback. Davis Mills just is not the guy. Um, the Texans did give them credit, though. They fought hard the last few weeks against the Cowboys and against the Chiefs, but they were just out of their depth in this one. They get blown out by the Jaguars and even beaten by the Jaguars' backups uh, in the fourth quarter. So moving on, we got Denver at Kansas City, and this was a closer game than you thought it might be. Denver's really struggled. Uh, they were able to put up 24 points on the Chiefs. The Chiefs did win 27-24 behind 14 fourth-quarter points, but this was a dicey game. Uh, Chris Jones sacked Russell Wilson on fourth down with under two minutes to play, and that was what it was able to pull the game out for the Chiefs. And so, you know, maybe maybe this says something about the Chiefs' defense. Uh, maybe it says something about the Broncos figuring something out a little bit. Uh, the Chiefs special teams did have a rough day here. They botched a hold on a extra point. They fumbled a punt return that led to a touchdown, and they shanked, or missed at least, a 51-yard field goal. Later it said it might have been tipped. You couldn't really tell for sure. So uh, the Chiefs special teams has been an issue all year. It continues to be an issue as they head into the playoffs. Uh, on rookie watch, George Karloftis, a guy I was very high on in the draft, got his fifth sack in the last six games, and so he seems to be heating up as the Chiefs approach the playoffs. And obviously, Chris Jones is always great. So if you have Chris Jones and George Karloftis playing at a high level, that can cover a lot of defensive woes in the secondary. And Patrick Mahomes passed for 5,000 yards for the second time in his career, becomes only the third quarterback to have multiple 5,000-yard passing seasons. The other two, if you want to guess at home, I'll wait. 
The other two are Drew Brees and Tom Brady, of course. So Patrick Mahomes in pretty elite company, making a solid case for MVP. Uh, that award has to come down to him and Jalen Hurts. Now let's talk about the Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots. New England wins this game 23-21. to uh, Kyle Duggar housed an interception in the third quarter to give New England a 17-10 lead. That is the seventh defensive touchdown for the Patriots this year, which is the most in franchise history. Uh, and actually, it's the most in the NFL since the 2017 Jags, when obviously they made a run to the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles before ultimately following to the New England Patriots. Patriots defense was good in this one. Uh, they held Tyree Kill to 55 yards receiving. They held Jalen Waddell to 52. And this was just this was a familiar story for the Dolphins. This is what it seemed. We could just pre-record this and air it several times this year, but Tua was in concussion protocol, didn't play in this game. So Teddy Bridgewater's your starter, and he gets injured in the game. And then Skylar Thompson had to come in, and Skylar Thompson was just not very good. 12 of 21 for 104 yards, a touchdown, and an interception while taking a sack. And a season that just started so hopeful for the Dolphins has been derailed by injuries to the quarterback. They're 8-8 eight and eight now. They probably are not going to make the playoffs at this point. They would need to beat the Jets in the finale, and then they need New England to lose to Buffalo. So certainly both of those are doable, but their, their playoff hopes are on the line now, and they no longer control their fate. Uh, for the Patriots, this is the first time that they have won a game while allowing over 20 points this season. They were 0-8 prior to that. Their offense has just been a tremendous disaster this year with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge calling plays. It's too bad nobody could have predicted that those guys would not have been good offensive play callers and the Patriots wouldn't have wasted a season, but they have got to get somebody in there that knows what they're doing next year for the sake of Mac Jones. But for the Patriots, it's win and in in Week 18 against Buffalo. Uh, if they lose, they would need a Miami loss to the Jets, a Pittsburgh loss to Cleveland, and a Tennessee loss to Jacksonville to get in. So Patriots have to take care of business, basically, if they want to make it into the playoffs. All right, up next we have Indianapolis at the New York Giants. The Colts lose 38-10, to and the Giants clinch a playoff spot for the first time since 2016 uh, with a... With a win in Week 18, they would tie the win total for the previous two years combined. They would be 10-6-1, had only won 10 games the previous two years combined. So Brian Dable's done a fantastic job. He's got a very strong argument for winning Coach of the Year. Uh, regardless of the outcome in Week 18, though, they will be the sixth seed, and they will travel to whoever becomes the three seed, which is likely going to be the Vikings or the 49ers, Surely you're hoping for the Vikings in that situation. On the Colts side, since the decision to fire Frank Reich and hire someone who has never coached at any level, the Colts are 1-6. They have benched multiple quarterbacks. They've blown a 33-point lead. They've been a total embarrassment, and they continue to be an embarrassment. And I, there's really nothing to say at this point other than they've got a lot of work to do this offseason and speaking of work and to do this offseason decisions to make the Giants are going to have a decision to make about Daniel Jones who 19 of 24 in this game he threw for two touchdowns he rushed for 91 yards and two more touchdowns 
he's at a 97% completion percentage for the, for the season. And he's at career best in passing and rushing yards. I don't think he's a guy you want to tie yourself to, to be your quarterback for the next 10 years, but you could certainly do worse. And making the playoffs, the Giants are not going to be in prime position to go acquire a quarterback. So I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to bring Daniel Jones back on a short-term deal and see what Brian Dable can do with him. But obviously they're going to trust Brian Dable uh, to make that decision, whereas you know you couldn't trust Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge to make those decisions. The Giants have a very competent front office with Joe Shane and with Brian Dable at this point. So I'm sure that they will get that sorted out this off season. Got a comment coming in here on YouTube from Philly Philly. The podcast says, what's up? Hey guys, we're, we're just sitting here breaking down week 17, some of the playoff implications for week 18. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. We're going to move on here to Carolina at Tampa Bay. And by the way, if you guys are watching here live, uh, you know, drop your comments. Let us know what you're thinking about these games, uh, about the show. Uh, always enjoy getting to interact with you guys while we're doing this live. If you're watching later on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts, we really appreciate you guys too, and hopefully we can catch you for a live show at some point. Normally we go live on Tuesday nights uh, around 9.15 Eastern Time, so that's usually when you can catch us. It's when we should be live next week. So Carolina at Tampa Bay, this was a win and end game for Tampa Bay. It was a win and keep the dream alive game for the Panthers and the Panthers dreams died behind a 20 point fourth quarter performance from Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Mike Evans had 10 receptions in this game for 207 yards and three touchdowns. Two of those touchdowns were over 50 yards and he only had one connection over 50 yards prior to this week. Uh, in this season with Tom Brady. So the vertical game got going. Uh, the Tampa defense, which allowed 173 yards to the Panthers earlier this year, they shut down the run today. The Panthers rushed 22 times for 74 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. And you know Sam Darnold, I thought he played fine. He was 23 of 37 for 341 yards, uh, three touchdowns and one interception. He did have a fumble. He took two sacks. He's played well enough over the last few weeks that he's probably going to trick some team into going in on him next year. I'm not sure that team will be the Panthers, uh, but I do think Sam Darnold is going to get a shot. And you could certainly do worse as a backup quarter with a backup quarterback, as a myriad of teams in the NFL could attest to. On the on the personal accolades front, Mike Evans recorded his ninth consecutive 1,000 yard season. Never in his career has he failed to reach a thousand yards. So every season of his career, it's just a phenomenal streak. He now trails Jerry Rice, who had 11 seasons in a row. Um, but Jerry Rice's record did not start his rookie season. And so Mike Evans in uncharted territory here. I think we're probably going to see him break that record in a couple more seasons. Got a couple more comments coming in here. Um, the Giants allegedly aren't going to play anyone this coming week. You know, that's interesting. I'm not sure... I don't know what if, if there's gamesmanship going on there. I don't know what they would do. I could see a scenario. I, I would not. But I could see a scenario where a new coach, you figure you're not really a big threat to go in the Super Bowl. Maybe you play guys to instill culture, you know, winning culture, go compete, whatever. I wonder, too, if it will change things if the playoffs end up getting pushed back a week, which has certainly been a topic of conversation where everybody would essentially have a bye. So 
we'll see what happens, but the Giants don't have anything to play for. I do think it would be wise to either not play your starters or play them a quarter and get them out. And then we got a comment from Edge of Philly Sports. Uh, great YouTube channel, by the way. You guys go check them out. It says, uh, is the Brady Magic back? Are we destined for a final Brady Rogers playoff game? I feel like the playoffs, I feel like it's headed for, first of all, if the Eagles were to lose and you get the Eagles going back to Tampa in a playoff opener, I guess you could go for a Jalen Hurts revenge game there. That certainly would be a crazy storyline, but I can't help but feel like we're headed for a Cowboys disappointing loss to the Buccaneers in the first round of the playoffs. The Cowboys have struggled in playoffs. They have you know, failed to string together playoff wins for a really long time. And the Buccaneers, they seem to be trending in the right direction. The first half of the Bengals game, they look phenomenal, and it's just been up and down. But if they can put it all together, you know, I, I think the I think the playoff matchups on the NFC are a lot more intriguing than people think. If you end up with Giants, Vikings, which was a close game a few weeks ago, Cowboys, Buccaneers would be a crazy game. Whoever ends up with the, you know, that last spot, whether it be the Dol or not the Dolphins, that's AFC. Um, whether it be the Seahawks or the Lions or the Packers playing the 49ers. Aaron Rodgers against the 49ers would be a fascinating story too. So there's certainly a lot of playoff stories that'll be interesting. And I can't wait to see what those final matchups will be. One team that we know won't be in the final matchups in the playoffs though is the Washington Commanders who were eliminated from playoff contention in week 17, much to the surprise of Ron Rivera, who did not know that after the game. Uh, Cleveland won that game 24 to 10. The commanders decided to turn back to Carson Wentz in this one. And for their efforts, they were eliminated from the playoffs as he tossed three interceptions and took three sacks on the way to a 31.4 passer rating. So you've got to assume Carson Wentz is done in Washington, maybe done in the NFL. I don't know. There's no team in their right mind would bring this guy in to be a backup considering the frame of mind, the issues that have been there. And I can't imagine a team giving him a starting role again. So we'll see what happens with Carson Wentz this off season, but uh, that should be interesting to monitor as well. Now let's move on to kind of a shocking game. It was the 49ers at the Raiders. And this one went into overtime as the 49ers emerged victorious 37 to 34. And so, I mean, Jared Stidham, man, he, he was 16 of 22 for 246 yards and three touchdowns before he really made a mistake throwing an interception. And then he did throw a second interception under pressure in overtime, but he had a great game, especially against a top defense in the league. And it's crazy how often we see backup quarterbacks come in and have a great game. Gardner Minshew and the Eagles offense put up 34 on the Cowboys in his first game. Jared Stidham puts up 34 on the 49ers defense in his first game. It, it just seems like these backups come in and they play really well for a week or maybe two, and then it starts to fall off as teams get used to them. But um, regardless, it, they push the 49ers to the limit. Uh, the 49ers offense, though, continues to thrive under their third-string quarterback, Brock Purdy. He was 22 of 35 for 284 yards and two touchdowns. He did have an interception. Christian McCaffrey had 121 yards rushing. He also had 72 yards receiving. He has 1,131 all-purpose yards and nine touchdowns in 10 games with San Francisco. 
He's averaging 113 yards per game. It's just unbelievable what Kyle Shanahan has been able to do with this offense that he's cobbled together with backup quarterbacks. Uh, it, it, Mr. Irrelevant, he was the last pick uh, of the draft. Seventh rounder, rookie, thrust in as the third string quarterback. And you have Baker Mayfield hit waivers and you don't claim him. And you, you put your faith in this guy. And I'm convinced Kyle Shanahan could maybe win games with me at quarterback the way he continues to string this together. Uh, he's getting better play out of Brock Purdy than most people get out of their backups. And so it's been crazy to see. I keep waiting for that cycle I just talked about where backups fall off to come into play, and it just hasn't happened yet for Brock Purdy. And so it's going to be fascinating in the playoffs to see what happens when they come up against some better defenses, uh, You know, as they come up against some better offenses that are maybe able to get into shootouts with them how the offense will respond. I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited for the NFC playoffs this year. Moving on, the Jets at the Seahawks. The Seahawks won this one 23-6. Uh, Kenneth Walker had a 60-yard run on the first play of scrimmage to kick off the game, and Seattle jumped out to a big 17-3 lead early. Uh, the Jets just really never had a chance in this one. Mike White goes 23-46 of 46 for 240 yards and two interceptions. In this game, uh, the Mike White magic ran out as the Jets lose their fifth straight. So they are now 7-9. and nine. They're eliminated from playoff contention. And you have to wonder, given the play of the defense this year, and obviously, you know, Brees Hall gets hurt on the offense for the Jets, but I really believe the Jets would have made the playoffs if Geno Smith was their quarterback this season. They drafted him 39th overall in the 2013 draft. He's played for two seasons there. Uh, before sort of becoming a journeyman and getting his first shot this year where he's played well I don't think he's an elite quarterback but he's certainly better than what the Jets have trotted out there this year so just an interesting alternate reality if Geno Smith had stuck on the Jets they're probably in the playoffs this year as it is Geno's going to look to get the Seahawks into the playoffs and they need two things to happen first of all they have to beat the Rams in week 18 and then they need Detroit to not lose to Green Bay. It can be a win or a tie. They don't care. But as long as Green Bay doesn't win and Seattle does, Seattle would squeak into the playoffs as the seven seed with a 9-8 and eight record. Speaking of those Packers, though, they're not going to make that easy as they hosted the Vikings and just blew the Vikings out 41-17. to 17. Uh, Green Bay was 4-8 and eight this season. They've won four straight, and, and now they destroyed the Vikings honestly, despite a slow offensive start, that they had a 14-3 lead with only 14 yards of offense because of a kickoff return for a touchdown and a Darnell Savage pick six of Kirk Cousins. In week one, when these two teams played, Justin Jefferson went off. He had 184 yards and two touchdowns against the Packers after the Packers notably did not put Jair Alexander on him. And the Vikings schemed it up to get so many of his routes against linebackers. Well, Alexander was on Jefferson for 20 of his 31 routes in this game, and he allowed zero receptions. Justin Jefferson ended up with only 15 yards on the day. His zero first-half catches marked the first game this season where he hasn't had a first-half reception. It's actually the first game uh, since the first game of his career in Week 1 of 2020, which was also against Green Bay. So two times in his career he's been held without a first-half catch, both against the Packers. For the Vikings, 
man, you just can't help feel but feel like they're just a total fraud. Uh, Shio Kapadia put this out on Twitter. He said, since 2000, 108 teams have 12 or more wins through 17 weeks. 108. The 2022 Vikings are the only team with a negative point differential at negative 19, and they're 50 points worse than any other team in that group. This is... I feel about the Vikings like I felt about the Titans last year. They were the one seed in the AFC. Felt like it was a foregone conclusion they would lose their first playoff game. The Vikings are 12-4. and four. They've got a shot at the one seed. They're more than likely a two or a three seed. I can't help but feel like whoever draws them uh, is going to have a pretty easy first-round game. So uh, don't come at me, Vikings fans, but it hasn't been very impressive lately. So let's move on to the Rams at the Chargers. The Chargers won this game in the stadium that they share, 31-10. The Chargers' offensive line did not allow a sack in this game, and it's only the third time this season that they have not allowed a sack. They allowed four sacks per game over the last six weeks. And so being able to keep Justin Herbert upright is huge. And Austin Eckler, he topped 100 yards for only the second time this year, and he did it on only 10 carries that went 122 yards for two touchdowns. Mike Williams had seven catches for 94 yards. Like Joey Bosa was back on the field for the first time since week three, and he played 48% of the snaps, and he wasn't impactful, but he was back on the field. And The Chargers are playing their best football of the season right now. They're getting healthy at the right time. They can move from the sixth seed to the five seed if they beat Denver in week 18, which would be huge because if you think about the the AFC playoff picture, the top three seeds are going to be Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. The four seed is going to be either Tennessee or Jacksonville. You would much rather go to Tennessee or Jacksonville than you would go to Cincinnati or Buffalo or Kansas City in the first round of the playoffs. So, It's going to be huge for them in week 18. They need to go take care of business against the Broncos. They need to stay healthy. But I feel good about the Chargers being able to make a little bit of noise in the playoffs, whereas a month ago, I did not feel that way. I felt like, A, they were probably going to miss the playoffs, but if they didn't, that they would limp in and be a first-round exit. So as my preseason Super Bowl pick, obviously before all the injuries and things, but I'm hopeful that the Chargers will at least make for an entertaining AFC playoff game. And now let's move to the Sunday night game. This was the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens, and the Steelers emerge victorious 16-3. They stay alive for a winning record for Mike Tomlin to continue his streak. They're currently 8-8, and unbelievably, they're actually alive in the playoff hunt after climbing out of a 2-6 hole. They need a win over Cleveland, and then a Buffalo win over the Patriots, and a Jets win over Miami to get them in. I would argue that all those things are possible. The hardest one would probably be the Jets against the Dolphins, but I believe the Dolphins are slated to start uh, backup quarterbacks again. So all those things are plausible. They could happen. Uh, Kenny Pickett in this game was 15-27 for 168 yards and a touchdown. He took two sacks. He rushed five times for two yards. He struggled in this game until the last drive, and then he went on a money drive. He strung together yet another game-winning drive. Down four with 4.16 left. He goes on an 80-yard touchdown drive, and he becomes the first rookie to throw back-to-back game-winning touchdown passes in the final minute of the fourth quarter. It's his third fourth-quarter comeback this season. And I wonder if there's something to 
getting into hurry up mode and getting Matt Canada out of your headset and calling your own plays. I don't know if he's doing that or not. I don't know if he's checking those things at the line, but there's no doubt that Matt Canada has got to go for the Steelers. He's hamstringing this team, this quarterback. I'm not sure about the viability of Kenny Pickett, but he's shown some flashes this season. He's shown some bad tendencies to bail from the pocket, but he's a gamer uh, at the end of games. I'd love to see him get a shot with a good offensive coordinator. For Baltimore, uh, they dropped this game. They're in the playoffs, but they lost the division. Well, I say this was before the Monday night game, which we've already talked about. Um, I'm pretty sure they cannot win the division now is what I said earlier. I don't. I lost that in my notes, but pretty sure they can't win the division now, uh, but they are in the playoffs. So week 18 ultimately becomes somewhat meaningless. It matters a little bit for seeding, but not for the ability to host a playoff game. And uh, we'll be interested to see what they do. I, I personally would not play a lot of starters under that scenario if I was them. Well, that is going to about wrap it up here for episode number 86 of Chalk Talk. Um, if you enjoy what you heard on the show, and we know that you do, be sure you smash that subscribe button. Turn on notifications so you don't miss the next episode. And drop us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us get the podcast out there for people. You can follow me on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. Uh, I'm on YouTube at Shane Half NFL, where I put out uh, this podcast, obviously, in video format, goes there as well as other places. Uh, Birds of the Roundtable, which is a roundtable Philly sports podcast that uh, talks about the Eagles game and upcoming game while doing a Madden watch party in the background. That normally airs at 8 Eastern. On Tuesday nights, it'll be airing at 4 Eastern today, as again, we postpone shows on Tuesday night out of respect for what was going on with DeMar Hamlin. So you can check that show out this afternoon. You can also check out my All-22 content for the Eagles. I'm going to be starting draft stuff this uh, after the season is over, and I'm really excited for some of the content that I'll be putting out there as well. So make sure you're following me there. Um and that's going to about wrap it up here. Thank you guys for tracking along with us. we got one more week left in the regular season, and we'll get into the playoffs. We'll do a little more in-depth stuff in the playoffs, obviously, with less teams to talk about. Uh, if your team is eliminated from the playoffs, don't tune out. Come back next week, uh, because Mark and I are going to do a Fixing Your Franchise-themed edition of the podcast where we talk about the couple big moves that each eliminated team needs to make. Um this offseason while also previewing you know the playoffs for the teams that are in it so make sure you guys keep it locked right here keep it tuned to the painted lines and we will see you guys next time